turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. The Lord has helped us for a few weeks to be able to share His Word by way of one word. And that word is faithful. That really helps a lot with the idea of what to prepare to preach. It has been unfaithful. And by the way, for weeks to come, whatever opportunity it is I have, that's what we're going to be sharing continually, the faithfulness of God. We have described the faithfulness of God. And then we have taken a look and considered how God has shown His faithfulness to us. Last Sunday night, we had a talk about our faithfulness to God. I didn't know exactly how that was even going to go as I prepared it, but, but, but it finished and we just simply had kind of a talk about it last Sunday night. And you know, if we were to make a list of ways that we could be faithful to God, we would say a lot of things, maybe a lot of the same things, and a lot of them, maybe all of them would be true, but as we looked into the Word of God and, and what He points out and says, this is faithfulness, it might be some things that we didn't mention. But we continue with our talk on a faithfulness to God or the faithfulness of God. You know, some find it difficult to believe in the faithfulness of God because of someone being unfaithful in whatever way to them. I have seen it many times in many ways. But when you think about our challenges of life, they're actually an opportunity for us to experience God's faithfulness. No matter what we have found ourselves in, no matter what's going on. And once we have had a personal experience of the faithfulness of God in an event in our lives, we're never the same again. And we never forget it. And then we get to grow in faith. And be faithful to Him. We get to exercise faith. And, and by faith, and by the faithfulness of God, you and I are able to make it through things we would never imagine we could have endured. But that's what God does for us. He is faithful. May we see in these weeks that we are in, God's faithfulness to you and I. And may we see our need to live by faith and to trust Him. 
We grow in faith by reading the Word of God. We have shared more than one time on this talk of the faithfulness of God, an emphasis on His Word, and that His Word is faithful. When we read His Word, we grow in faith. This morning, and the next several opportunities, whether it be Sunday morning, whether it be Sunday night, it's going to be tonight, and it's going to be for the next several weeks... The plan is to share the faithfulness of God by way of the Word of God. We have in the Word of God what we call the pastoral epistles. The pastoral epistles are 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And yes, it's good for preachers, it's good for pastors, it's the Word of God to pastors and for every Christian that there is. What's good for the preacher is good for the Christian. Now, it might be something specific about preaching the Word of God for the preacher, but all the principles and all of the commands that we find, they're good for everyone. And within these three books, we find a phrase four different times. And this phrase that we see is, This is a faithful saying. We find it in 1 Timothy here, chapter 4 and verse 8. It says, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. And then in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, It says, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, it says, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him... We shall also live with Him. So we have some verses in the Bible here. And they are called faithful sayings. And so what we have just shared is a faithful saying of the blessedness of a godly life. The faithful saying of the benefit of of a life of good works. A faithful saying which speaks of our victory that we have with the Lord for eternity. And here we begin on the ground floor of all of this, the foundation which our life is built on. I read again 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. First of all, we're going to see the repetition in this verse. This is a faithful saying. These verses 
are called sayings that we have just been through. We read four verses of truth and they are sayings. Nothing becomes a saying that is said maybe one time. If something is said once a year, if something is just said every now and then, that does not make whatever it is a saying. And here we have truths of the blessedness of a godly life, the benefits of good work, our victory for eternity, the foundation that our life is built upon here. And these are not just verses of the Bible. This is not just what God has said to us. But in the day that Paul was writing, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these truths were sayings. As in parents, moms and dads, mothers and fathers, saying these truths to their children. Maybe they walked around the house saying some mighty truths this morning. But the idea is that these things were repeated. Mother and father, or, or, or out and about in, in town, at the marketplace, wherever, there was the speaking of godliness being profitable. This was a saying and a truth. Or being careful in maintaining good works. Uh, If we're dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. And Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is something that was said. These truths weren't just spoken in the church. These truths weren't just spoken when people gathered around Paul to hear the Word of God. These truths were an everyday thing that was talked about and said. There was a repetition from, say, parents to the children. And the children could know what their lives was to be built upon how they were to build their lives, and what was beyond this life. They heard the, they, they were sayings, it was truth, and, and they heard it over and over and over. There wasn't wondering if, if their ancestors swung from a tree by their tail. There wasn't a wondering of that. There wasn't a wondering of an amazing explosion that happened that put everything into place. They knew what was beyond this life by the faithful sayings that were told them. You know, there's sayings and there are faithful sayings. And Paul says here, these are faithful sayings. I have heard a lot of sayings in my life. I heard a lot of sayings that were accompanied with curse words. I heard a lot of sayings that were a lie, ended up being a lie. I heard a lot of sayings that I don't hear anymore. They're they're all gone and they've faded away. But here we have faithful sayings. In the text, this is a revelation of grace that will never be erased 
Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is a faithful saying, and it's never going away. It is an eternal truth that has no beginning and no ending to this saying. This truth will never end. It never goes away. It's the Word of God, and God is the Word. So the Word is eternal, and it has... Never had a beginning. It always was. But it was made known to us. God has given His Word so we can have it. And it's never dissipated. It's never been disproved. May the repetition of God's Word, may it continue... I was in the garage the other day and I was listening to a song that I've loved, but I started thinking about the negative thoughts it was giving me. The, the, the song was, uh, seems like everybody's going home. And man, I love the, I just, I just love the, the sound of it and I, I love the truths that are told how it makes me just reflect on precious memories. It talks about those who love to, to sit around and talk about the Word of God. Those who love to get together and just to talk about the Lord's Word. But oh, it seems like everybody's going home. And, the, and as I listened to the song more than ever before, it, it had an emphasis on it like... Like, like all of these faithful Christians are gone home now and, and we don't have that anymore. But look, these faithful sayings are true and we need to be true to them and we need to say the Word of God. They need to be our sayings that we would share His Word, that our children would know His Word, that the people we work with, they would hear the Word of God. Don't be scared of HR. They, they threatened me for 14 years on the job. And I never so much as sit in my immediate boss's office over it. And just and I was thankful that I just kept on sharing the word of God. Don't you be I don't mean to be get anybody in trouble, but but don't don't wince at that too hard now because we need to be faithful with these sayings of God. Faithful, faithful sayings. Repetition. We need to have repetition in them. But let's also consider the relocation in the verse. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Look at the location. That Christ Jesus came into the world. This is a faithful saying, okay? It's true. You can count on it. You know, we didn't decide when we were coming into this world. We, did, we didn't choose. I'm tempted to say I would choose to come into this world a hundred years ago. I say I'm tempted to do that because it's sin to dwell on the good old days. I, I didn't know it was, but, but I learned that through things in His Word. I mean, we are put right here, right now, and this is the day and time that we live in. We live in a technical world, and we may not be technical, some of us, including me, but this is the time that God has us here. I'm not going to question, I'm not going to dwell on the good old days. Somebody told me anyway, Brother Kenneth, you couldn't have handled the good old days. You like air conditioning too much. 
So that was a help that, that I not sin and dwell on another time that God should have put me in. We are here right now. Not that we decided we were going to be here right now. We didn't. We had no decision in it. But God did. God decided when He would come. He decided. He picked the time, the place, and the circumstances. There is no denying the existence of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's historical truth. He visited this earth, and this earth has never been the same after the visit of Jesus Christ coming here. And His beginning, by the way, it didn't take place when He manifested Himself here. I always seem to have to qualify that from all the people I've spoken to that said, well, your religion's only 2,000 years old, and there are a lot of religions a lot older than that. So, so let us consider the pre-existence of Jesus Christ when we consider the time that He simply manifested Himself here, that He was in heaven with the Father, that God created all things through Jesus Christ, Ephesians 3, 9, go ahead and look it up, and that Jesus has always existed. He is eternal. He is everlasting. We are the first religion. We are the true religion. Let us know that. There's no denying that Jesus Christ was here. Jesus Christ is eternal. And He simply showed Himself to the world when He came to us. He came to us. Because we couldn't go to Him. What a blessed truth. What a blessed saying we have right here alone. In that Christ Jesus came into the world. Oh, what a blessed relocation truth that we have. A faithful saying. But we not only see this relocation. We see the regeneration. This is a faithful saying worthy of acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Who does that include? To save sinners. Jesus not only left His heavenly throne and His angel throng, but He descended to a sinful world. He left the glories of heaven... And He came down to sinful creatures. He didn't come to the righteous. He didn't come to those who are the do-gooders, as that's the language my dad would use. My grammar's better than that, but I talk like my dad sometimes. He doesn't come down to help those who help themselves. You know, there are some people that believe it's Scripture that God helps those who help themselves. It's not Scripture. That's not who Jesus came to. He did, not came, he did not come to save people like that. He came to save sinners. That'll make you glad to be a sinner. <laughs> he came to save sinners. He didn't come to save those who were born right the first time, as they say. He came to save those who know they need to be born again. 
He came to save sinners. He came to us so we could be born again. His mission was to do what had to be done to save you and I. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves, so He came to save us. Can you imagine a sinner as a sacrifice for the sins of the people? It couldn't happen. We're all in the slave market of sin, and it took a sinless sacrifice to save you and I. So Jesus came to us, He came to us to save sinners that we might be regenerated. 2 Corinthians 5.21 has come to my mind so much. I know I've quoted it to you in recent messages. But he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He could do what we couldn't do because He could present Himself as a sinless sacrifice acceptable by God so that you and I could be accepted. And He did it. That's why Jesus came. He came to set us free from the slavery of sin. He came to break our bondage. He came to wash us of all of our wickedness and he did so his name Jesus it means to save and he came to give regeneration he came to save sinners we also see something else in this verse and that is the recognition This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners Could it have stopped right there? Paul says, Paul puts in there, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I mean, I don't mean he's on his own saying this. He was led to do it. But he says, of whom I am chief. Go back to sinners. He came to save sinners. And then Paul says, of whom I am chief. Paul? Man, he had a very impressive life on earth. We, we say, and many say, he was the best Christian, best serving Christian there's ever been. Man, his service was amazing. Paul was a spiritual powerhouse. He was, talk about faithfulness to God. Paul was faithful to God with his life. He was a great man of God. And on Wednesday nights, we're looking at the armor of God and, and, and God used Paul to ride it. And what a, what a powerful spiritual soldier Paul was, a great man of God, an apostle. And yet Paul says, I am am less than the least of all saints. And he says here that he's the chief of sinners. He says, of whom I am chief. Would you notice this in the present tense? I, I don't guess this would be chewed up a whole lot by people teaching the Word of God, and, and it, it doesn't seem popular today, but, but let's notice, let's, let's look this morning. Notice it's in the present tense that Paul says, of whom I am chief. He didn't say, of whom I was chief. He says, of whom I am. It's not the past tense. He's 
confessing his current, at the time, sinfulness. We, we might have the thought, we don't need to emphasize that anymore. We, we know we're so We don't need to hear it. We know we're sinners. And we know that, that we have been saved and we needed to be saved. We were sinners who sinned and, and we needed to be saved from our sin. We know this. Why, why talk about it more? Why emphasize it? Paul, why, why are you talking about it? Why are you talking about yourself in the present tense like this? What, it, what is it? Well, just a couple of thoughts. The human nature loves to be proud of accomplishments and achievements. You know, Jesus didn't come to earth, though, to pat the human being on the back. He did not come here to celebrate the human nature. He he didn't do that. He came to save sinners. And Paul says... Put me at the top of the list for severity of sin. The human nature winces at being called a sinner. If we wince at that, that's the human nature doing that. But the spiritual nature is quick to recognize that we are a sinner. Paul is proof of that as, as he's not only, God is breathing his word through Paul, and the Holy Spirit is inspiring the word through Paul. But Paul can also speak of his experience in this that Christ Jesus came to save sinners because Christ had saved Paul, and he's quick to currently acknowledge His sinfulness. If we should never forget what Jesus has done, we should never forget who He's done it for. Jesus has done what He has done for sinners. He came to live a sinless life to die for sinners. You might say, Brother Kenneth, he didn't come to condemn the world, though, he says. But the world was condemned already, you understand, because we were all sinners in need of a Savior. So Paul considers himself the worst here. To recognize we're sinners, this is important. It helps us to expose. For one thing, listening to too many people to find that they believe that someone went to heaven because they were good. Well, was so and so a Christian? Oh, well, well, I know they, I know they're in heaven because they were a very good person. You'll hear professing Christians say that. I mean, this is a worldwide lie and a dangerous one that goes on and on and on. The lie is that the measurement of someone's good with someone's bad decides where they go for eternity. And people are trying to be good. They think they're trying to be good and do what they can to overcome the bad to be able to get to heaven. We sing, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And we should say it. We should say it. We should say it like Paul. We should say it because it's true. And we should say it because it exposes a lie. It helps 
a confused religious world to become clear on the truth. If you go home, walk in the block, saying you're a sinner, you're going to have a neighbor say, well, that's just one of the most righteous people I've ever met. They're a good person. I think they're great. Why are they calling themselves a sinner? Get the world to thinking about that lie that's going around and, and, and that they might come to the truth that Jesus saves sinners. Before our last thought, I, I can't let go of this. And, and I would like to ask it, everyone here individually, of course, I don't want an answer except yourself within your heart. Or thought that God is good. Is God everywhere all the time? Does He help? Yes, yes, yes. I believe that is the answer. Does God love us? Yes. You've probably confessed that and you believe that. And I just want to ask, even if there's one in the congregation, forgive me everybody else if there's just one, but if there's just one here this morning or listening who has never said, Lord, I'm a sinner... I just, I just wonder if there's one who hasn't made that recognition. Have you ever recognized yourself as a sinner? I tell you what, I did not imagine this portion of the message just, just sending me into such time spent on it, but it, it just made me think about my life before I was saved. Because I can recall a long life of sinfulness before coming to the Lord to be saved. And, and I think about my life and I try to think back now that I'm a Christian and can look back on who I was. And, and you know, I, I know I did wrong. I, I knew I did wrong because my conscience told me so. But I never would admit it. I, I never would say it. And I justified my sin. Maybe by who I was around or some other way. And I, and I justified it. I never called myself a bad person. You weren't going to hear that out of me. I, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't have called myself a sinner who was going to hell. And I never said that in my lost life for, for the majority of my life. So I felt like I was a pretty good person. And then I started attending church. Man, you had to open the door wider for the, for the swelling of the arrogance because I was becoming a better person now. I was adding church to my resume as a good person. And I started becoming better. And I told myself all these things. And not one of them were a faithful saying. Not one of them was true. It was all a lie. It was the opposite way of thinking as the pattern that God has for us as children of God. The best thing that ever happened to me happened after, and, I, and I'm picturing... ...realized... I was a sinner. That was an amazing 
discovery. I am a sinner. And it brought about the greatest thing. It it made so many things come together. I'd been sitting in Sunday school for six months. So now, after I understood I was a sinner, I understood Christ's purpose. I was able to put together why He died on the cross. Okay, it was my sin. I'm a sinner and He died for my sin. I knew He died for the sinner for my sins and I trusted Him as my Lord and Savior, not long after I recognized my sin and that I'm a sinner, which brings us to our closing thought. You thought we came to the end of the verse, and we did, but we skipped a portion on purpose. This is a faithful saying, here we go, and worthy of all acceptation. A lot of thoughts on this, a lot of thoughts as to whether the emphasis is all of the Word of God is worthy of being accepted or all of a person must accept the Word of God. I see truths in both of those and not here to split hairs over that, but just to consider this glorious news of the gospel of Jesus Christ He is worthy of and must be accepted. This good news of the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, it must be accepted. There's no room for what about this and what about that. There's no room for what about this group of people, though, and and what about that group of people? There's no room for those things. Look, the gospel is reliable for universal acceptance, period. It is a faithful saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. This is truth and this is faithful. You can can cross all four Gospels together. You can take them into a righteous court and they will win the case as far as the truth of the Gospel. It is true and He will save all. The Gospels contain documented truths of historical facts. The details are overwhelming... But consider that our Creator came to this earth as a man. And this man took your place and took my place and died for our sins. And this is good news and it's personal good news when it's accepted. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I asked this morning, what have you done about this? You've heard about Jesus. You heard, you've heard of what He's done. This faithful saying that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. What have you done about this? I hope and pray that you have fully, personally accepted this great news and accepted by faith the person of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior because He must 
be accepted. By His requirement, this truth is made personal and this person becomes your Lord and Savior when you accept Him. In 1830, there was a man named George Wilson and he was sentenced. President Andrew Jackson and got him to to pardon and then but but for George Wilson he was pardoned it came to him the news came to him and they went to him and they said you're still going to be in prison but you are pardoned you're going to live You're not going to face death. And he declined that pardon. So the legal bunch got together and said, you know what? We cannot force this pardon upon him. So they executed him. He was... Made free to live. But he rejected the pardon. There is a pardon offered for everyone's sins. That you can be free from the penalty, the punishment of sin. You can be free and shun a devil's hell. By accepting the pardon accepting the pardon that comes through Jesus Christ to all sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And and that's what He wants to do this morning. He wants to save you from your sins. Have you ever admitted you're a sinner? Has it personally ever flooded your heart and you've been drawn by the Word of God, by God, to where you believed in Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? No one told you, no one could tell you, and no one had to tell you. God was convicting your heart and you recognized you were a sinner that you were the enemy of God and you came to peace with God. Is that you this morning? If it is, this is a faithful saying. This is true. There There are many people who will tell you many lies in this world, but this is true. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's the lost sinner this morning, if that's you. And we hope and pray that you will trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you would know His forgiveness, that you would discover His faithful Word, that you would live by this all of your life, knowing you will never be steered wrong. Our own thoughts and our own flesh and own mind will steer us wrong, but the Word of God will not. And God is drawing by His faithful truth the one and only way 
to be forgiven for all your sins. And that is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you trust Him this morning as your Lord and Savior? We're going to have a time of prayer. And it may be that you want to confess what God has done in your heart. Whatever it may be, whatever business you have to do with God, you do it at this time. It doesn't matter if I'm standing up here or someone else is standing up here. You come and shout to the people of God what has happened in your life. Close. Let us pray to the Lord, Father in heaven. Lord God, we come to you in this hour. We thank you so much for this hour that you have given us, that it wouldn't be about us, that it would be about you, that we would worship you. You are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our attention. You're worthy of all of our passion being upon you, Lord. And you're worthy that your people be praying for those that you're not willing should perish.